Hello everybody and welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast. It's episode 150L. Can you believe it? 150. I still remember when we did episode 100 and someone very, very kindly sent us a birthday cake that had the word cunts on it. He was an absolute legend. Uh, we wouldn't ask for birthday cakes this time out because it, we're in a pandemic and it's just weird and everything's wrong. But 150 <laughs> episodes not out. That's nearly three years uh, that we've been back in the podcast realm on Metal Hammer. So thanks to everyone who supports us on here, listens in, hangs out with us on the readers group over on Facebook buys a magazine, supports us on social media and the website, all that good shit. We appreciate and love you very, very much. That's um, true. I am Mel, by the way, from Metal Hammer. Hello, everybody. I'm joined today by Elle, who is also from Metal Hammer, uh, deputy editor, in fact. How are you, Elle? I'm very well, thanks. I've just had a nice little lunchtime treat of some fries. <laughs> fries? Where are you from, mate? America, apparently. <laughs> it was a five guys it was a five guys it was a special five guys treat five guys hamburger and fries um <laughs> oh man i haven't had a five guys in like literally a year remember real life i don't think they're that great or oh, is that libeling five guys let's move on <laughs> i think you're allowed to have an opinion on five guys mate it's fine other burgers are available uh, the latest issue of Outham is out right now, by the way. It is our huge tribute to the one and only Alexi Leho, who left us far too soon when he passed away at the end of last year. Uh, we got many of his biggest peers, his closest friends, his loved ones, and even his bandmates to talk about his life and career. And what was a really stellar feature written by Danny Levers and put together by Elle. Uh, it's an amazing read and we're very proud of it. So if you want to uh, get involved in that, you can pick up that issue from tinyurl.com slash gethammer uh, or you can pick it up in your uh, whatever your local news agent or other stockist uh, that still sells copies of Metal Hammer is in the UK. Uh, as well as that, we recently launched our Epica Bundles uh, if you're an Epica fan, you need to get on this. It is the latest issue of Metal Hammer featuring exclusive Epica feature. Uh, uh, this version of the issue comes with an awesome, beautiful cover of uh, Simone from Epica that you won't find anywhere else. So it's like a very special kind of Epica edition of the mag. And if that wasn't enough, it also comes with a lyric sheet hand signed by Simone herself. So go over to tinyurl.com slash epicabundle to get yours now. There's only tw uh, 200 of these worldwide at the moment, so they will go fast. I think we've already sold out of half of them. So uh, if you're a big Epica fan, you don't want to miss out on that. So tinyurl.com slash epicabundle for our special Epica edition of the mag, or it's tinyurl.com slash gethammer for the, uh, the regular edition featuring the one and only Alexi Leho. Those are both out right now uh have you seen about this prodigy documentary l i'm very excited about that i heard about it from you yeah Tell me more. you just what broke the fourth wall of me pretending like we hadn't discussed it before <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a new uh, documentary coming out produced by pulse films uh and it's going to document the prodigy's entire near 30 year career so when they came up through the rave scene when they of course kind of made their sound even heavier and just totally took over the mainstream in the UK, crossing over with the rock scene and the punk scene and just uh, uniting all these very disparate genres of music in a way that no band had ever done before or since, to be honest. Uh, and of course, it will take us into the last stages of their career and uh, documenting the, the devastating death of Keith Flint uh, in 2019. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. There are bands who 
means so much to so many people, myself included, obviously. Uh, and yeah, I'm just really looking forward to seeing, like, uh, they're one of those bands that kind of, they're such a huge name and pretty much everybody likes the Prodigy, but they've never really been given that kind of definitive documentary style treatment. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that get done for them. Um, yeah, no, that's... I'm really curious too because obviously I know about the Prodigy and I've seen the Prodigy with you before as well, but I don't know too oh, yeah. much about their early rave beginnings and I'm really curious to just see that part of the story told and see what it was like because I was still a child when that was going on, so I don't I know kind of about that time of life, but just to kind of have a bit more perspective on it and where they fit in it would be really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the, the I mean, the thing is like they're career just encompasses so many different like eras of British music because you know they came up in the rave scene and then they were really part of the kind of countercultural movement of the 90s uh, and then they went through that kind of funny early 2000s periods where Keith and Maxim weren't really on the album and Liam just kind of made this like very of its time houseier kind of dance album that had like Spitfire and Girls on still great songs but like felt like they maybe lost their way a little bit and then they obviously released Invaders Must Die in 2009, I think it was. And since then, it just seemed like they were back to being one of the most vital electronic acts in the world. And obviously, what the long-term future holds for them, we we, we don't know for now. Um, I would love to see more Prodigy music in some shape or form. But I think it would be really nice to have something that kind of brings a definitive end to their journey so far. So I'm really looking forward to that. We don't know when it's coming quite yet, but I imagine it will be probably next year at this point. So... We will have all the latest news on that over on Metal Hammer and Louder. Uh, when we know, you'll know, basically. Um, also this week, this is a funny one because... So, let's just let's just start with what the headline is. Iron Maiden have been uh, nominated for Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Finally, finally. Finally. The dream finally. has come true. The dream has come true. But it's a funny one because, like... I kind of feel like we've all got into the habit of going, ah, who cares about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? They don't know what they're doing. It took them ages to notice Judas Priest and it's taken them even longer to notice Iron Maiden and they've been valid for nomination for like 15 years or something and it's taken this long, it's ridiculous. And then I have to admit, despite having said all that, when I actually saw that they were finally nominated, I did kind of go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Surely though everyone who you think would get nominated will get nominated at some point. It just seems really random as to who and as to when. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, this sounds like an odd comparison, but there's also um, uh, a Hall of Fame in the WWE and they kind of do a similar thing in that there's some names in there that you kind of think, I don't quite understand how this person has got in while like, you know, the likes of The Rock and The Undertaker are still not in there amongst others. Um, But I guess, you know, maybe they like to space these things out and leave the big hitters kind of over certain years so they don't kind of spend their load at once. But I don't know. Iron Maiden should have been in this list a long time ago. There's no doubt about it. We've talked about it before and just kind of going, how do they decide it? Like, what are the voting criteria? I think we even looked up the voting criteria once, but... I'll be honest, I haven't done it before this podcast. It's no. just, it, it just seems random sometimes about who goes in when. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? And uh, I mean, if you look at this list of names here, um, the full list is pretty cool, actually. It's a, it's a really varied bunch as well. So the full list of nominations for 
the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year are as follows. Uh, we've got Mary J. Blige, Kate Bush, Devo, Foo Fighters, The Go-Go's, Jay-Z, Shaka Khan, Carole King, uh, Fela Kuti, LL Cool J, The New York Dolls. Like, how are the New York Dolls not in there? Uh, Rage Against the Machine, Tog Rundgren, uh, Tina Turner and Dionne Warwick. Um, so yeah, Rage Against the Machine also getting a nod in the kind of metal realm. Uh, Foo's also up for nomination. It does seem weird that Foo Fighters, Rage and Maiden are all kind of entering the fray at the same time, given that Maiden preceded both those bands by like at least a decade. <laughs> yeah, and I'm guessing there has to be some kind of gap between Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Nirvana have gone in there, right? They must have done. Must have been. I'm presuming they are. Yeah. Yeah, they must have been. They must have been. But yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting mix, and I'd be fascinated to know what Maiden have to say on it because Bruce Dickinson famously. Uh, slammed the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in years gone by. Uh, in 2016, he said, I actually think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is an utter, complete load of bollocks, to be honest with you. It's run by a bunch of sanctimonious, bloody Americans who wouldn't know Rock and Roll if it hit them in the face. They need to stop taking Prozac and start drinking fucking beer. <laughs> there you go. Wonder whether he'll uh, be excited about it then. Will he show up to the ceremony? Will he do something special? Or will he just ignore it? Who knows? It's a weird one, isn't it? It's like it's like I said, I've kind of been like, oh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who cares all these years? Now Maiden are nominated and I'm like, well, it would be pretty cool to see Iron Maiden get to get noticed by, you know, that room full of those kinds of peers. Um, I guess with Maiden, it kind of, it almost feels like a bit of an underdog victory, even though they're literally one of the biggest rock and roll bands of all time. They're still, as is evidenced by the fact they've basically been ignored by this uh, tradition and this institution for all these years they still feel like a bit of an outsider band sometimes when it comes to these kind of conversations so it'll be pretty cool to see um i suspect it's not something the band have been holding their breath for all these years uh but you know it's a pretty it's a pretty cool thing i think so i just checked the nirvana not? thing because it was ringing bells and yeah i was at um kerrang magazine when it happened i remember we did like a news piece on it because they had Lord and Joan Jett on vocals at their induction ceremony. And it was a big kind of nirvana celebration. Um, oh, that's awesome. I'm not sure how that happens either, like how they choose performers and things. You know, will Iron Maiden perform at an induction ceremony? I can't see that happening because unless they can bring their stage set with them, it would just be weird. Um, mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, if Iron Maiden could just rock up and slam the trooper or something, that'd be great, but... I don't know, it just seems a bit odd. I mean, I'd be really interested if they end up putting Rage in and if they could get Rage to perform because that just, Rage getting kind of confirmed into an institution like that just feels very unrage against the machine. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's another it one. Uh, I, I should say as well, though, I've, I've seen like, we see a lot of uh, nonsense about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, online and stuff. And whatever I or we might think about it, it is a bit weird to see the reactions that some people have towards certain artists that do get nominated. You know, like an artist like Jay-Z, who has just redefined not just music, but popular culture itself. Like, I've got no issue. And that's ignoring the fact of where the roots and rock and roll actually come from as well, by the way. But I've got no issue with an artist like that getting nominated into something like this at all. Um, and I actually saw someone on Instagram. I actually replied to them on the Met Hammer Instagram. He was like, oh... Tina Turner, how does Tina Turner get nominated for something like this? Oh, she's not rock and roll. And I was like, she's literally nicknamed the queen of rock and roll. 
Like, know your history, dude. Like, it's so funny how people's perspective of this think it, like, unless it just happens to be, you know, the Rolling Stones or some shit, like, it's not rock and roll. Like, rock and roll is a vast genre with roots that go far beyond that era of music. And uh, even beyond that, like, I've got no issue with people like Madonna and, you know, Kate Bush is in here. She's, I don't know if you'd call her a rock and roll artist, but Kate Carol Bush King is... Yeah, exactly. Like, it's fucking cool. I've got no issue at all with those kind of artists getting nominated in something like this. Um, but I made it should have been nominated ages ago. So at least they're getting back on it now. Good times. Uh, we talked about our new issue earlier, which has the one and only Alexi Leho on the cover. Um, the last songs actually recorded by Alexi are going to be released in April. So Bodem, Bodem excuse me, after midnight. Uh, which the band he formed in 2020 after splitting Children of Bodom have announced the posthumous Paint the Sky with Blood EP as a tribute to Alexi. Uh, and the EP is going to feature two original songs, Payback's a Bitch and Paint the Sky with Blood, along with a cover of Where Dead Angels Lie by Swedish black metal icons dissection. Uh, that EP is coming on April 23rd through Napalm. So that's pretty cool that we were talking a couple of weeks back about whether we'd get to hear any more Alexi music or not. And it's nice to know that we are going to get to hear him on record at least one more time. Yeah, if you read our big Alexi tribute feature, um, which is still out in the shops, of course, you can go and pick that up. You'll see we had a little bit in there from Daniel, who's in Bodom After Midnight. And um, yeah, he was obviously um, talking very emotionally about Alexi. And um, yeah, we knew that they had been in the studio and they had written some stuff. We just didn't know whether it would come out. And it's nice that it's coming out now as well. Um, you know, at a time when people are wanting to think and talk about Alexi and listen to his music. Definitely. Hard agree on that. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Um, yeah, it's just still a bit surreal. There's been so much that's happened in the, what, six weeks of 2021 so far that it's still a bit surreal to think that we just don't have Alexi Leho in the world anymore. But it'd be nice to finally get the chance to uh, to hear him again. Uh, should we talk about some new albums that are coming out this week, Hell? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's do that. I agree. Yeah, two interesting records out this week. Um, what should we do first? How about we do the Love and Death album? Uh, we're actually recording this on Friday, so many of you might already be ears deep in this stuff, but we're going to give you a hot takes on them anyway. Um, Head has finally released uh, a new album under the Love and Death moniker. And this is kind of a project that... Um, he has had for a while, so it's not like a brand new venture from him. Uh, but he's kind of turned it into a fully grown, uh, you know, fully grown band with like its own members and everything else. Um, so it's interesting to hear what he's kind of uh, decided is going to define this project in 2021. The last thing he did was a record between uh, called Between Here and Lost back in 2013. So it's eight years since he's done anything proper under the Love and Death moniker. Um, put full band together. There's some guest appearances on here. There is a cover on here which is probably going to take up most of my <laughs> most of my commentary on this album because it's so odd. Um, yeah, where do we start with this album? Where do you start? You're a corn mega fan. Where do you start with approaching an yeah. album like this? Yeah, um, this is pretty much what I expected from this record. I don't think it's a huge leap sonically from what. Head has done before with this project but probably one of the biggest things is that they've got um, on bass they've got guitarist Jason Rauch who's from 
Breaking Benjamin, and he produced the debut album from Love and Death, the one out in 2013. So he's now playing on it. And it's very much kind of got that member of Korn does radio rock sound. So it does sound like it's got that polish that Breaking Benjamin have got that you would hear on the radio. It sounds a little bit like Edema from the early 2000s, which of course was Jonathan Davis's brother's band. And so, yeah, it's got that like Korn kind of uh, big new metal riffs, lots of screams and growls, big kind of chunky bass lines, although not like rattly like Korn, it is a little bit different, it's more smooth. And it's just the kind of record where if you were really into new metal in the early 2000s, it makes you feel nostalgic when you hear it. And you're kind of like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that stuff I liked. And it's really well done. So you kind of feel like you can enjoy it because it's a bit of a throwback, but it's really nicely produced as well. Um, and Head is pretty good on it. Um, obviously, Jonathan's a vocalist of Korn. Head sings on here. There's some really proper growls, like on the song Affliction. Um, and there's a bit in the Death of Us, or just Death of Us, where he kind of almost goes into a scat bit, like Jonathan Davis as well. So there's these little kind of like corn hints and nods all the way through it, but it just sounds more um, polished and shiny than corn does. And I think Head is very much kind of talking about his life and his relationship with God rather than in corn. They're talking about destruction and um sort of mental health breaking down and like the terrible things in life so they're kind of very related genetically but i'd say where corn is kind of that looser heavier rattlier um spiraling out of control feeling love and death is more the polished radio rock driving in your car being more positive and christian kind of feeling yeah definitely um uh, you you picked out the exact same reference points I did because I actually forgot that when you when you first listened to this, um, we got sent a little snippet of this album without someone telling us what it was, and I actually said like, is this like a demer or something? And I'd actually forgotten that you said that the first time round because when I listened to this, I wrote down a demer as well. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, so it's got so much of that kind of slightly latter day new metal sheen on it, mixed with like you said the kind of. Uh, obviously, Matey Boy from Breaking Benjamin is bringing some of the US mainstream rock uh, sh- kind of sheen to it as well. Um, and I was fascinated by Head's vocals because I assumed listening to the first couple of songs that he'd got in another singer because that is quite often what people do on these kind of projects. And then re- when I realised it was him, I was just like, this is not what I expected Head from Corn to sing like at all. Uh, it's really good, that- it? It's really impressive. I mean, there might be like studio work at play here i'm i haven't got the ear that's good enough to be able to break down you know what is live and what is production but the way that they've made them sound or the way that he sounds is really good <laughs> yeah definitely it's uh it's it's really cool and um and again i made i made a note of that kind of bit of almost like scatting type vocal he does because it's like you know that's not like we know what you do for your day job do you know what i mean like that can't be a coincidence it's really weird <laughs> Um, and there's a track called um, uh, Slow Fire where he does a roar that sounds quite kind of Jonathan Davis-esque. And there's even a bit, I don't quite know what the lyric is. I think it's like fight or something, but he kind of goes fight on it. And it's, it's a bit like, hmm, where have I heard this before? Um, but uh, I mean, uh, the track that just first really made me go, uh, was when I was first listening to this, the first couple of songs, I was like, yeah, this is actually... 
I was kind of geared up to not like this at all, but I don't really mind this because, again, it is like a lot of the stuff I was listening to in about 2002, which is fine. Um, and then uh, I think it's three tracks in. Yeah, well, fourth track, yeah, fourth proper track in. Um, uh, and uh, it's suddenly got these, like, super sickly sweet vocals on it, and it's got um, Lacey off of, uh, of, of yeah, Flyleaf in there as well. And as, it, as I was listening to it, I kind of thought, this is... This just sounds like they've just dialed up all the sugariness of this record up a notch. And I can't quite understand why they've suddenly done this. This is so weird. And then it went into the chorus and I suddenly recognised it. And I realised it was a fucking DJ Snake and Justin Bieber cover, which just was so odd and so unexpected. Only a couple of tracks in. It's the song Let Me Love You. The one that goes na 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 And it's just so weird because Korn have done covers before and Korn's covers are always either kind of earnest versions of kind of uh, classic kind of heavy bands like their excellent cover of Faith No More um, or they're just kind of fun and a bit silly like the Word Up cover is but this feels very earnest and it's not kind of done for laughs it's it's done quite seriously but it's of a Justin Bieber song who I don't have an issue with I'm not one of those like oh, Bieber's lame kind of people but it's just it was just so unexpected and to have it like four songs into the album it's just a really interesting creative choice to me and it i think it really stands out as well like it doesn't sound like a song head's written it sounds like a a syrupy pop cover and i don't know i just found it absolutely bizarre that they would do this i quite like it and um you know I, as i said to you i think this is jesus talking so when the lyrics are let me love you. I think that is intended to be Jesus saying, let me love you. Um, we all know that Head is a Christian. He's collaborated with a lot of Christians. Some on this record, um, Lacey is a Christian. She was from Flyleaf. And it, the placement of this song is quite odd because it just comes kind of a few songs into the album. It's not like at the end or something where you'd expect the cover to be, so that's weird. But in terms of the actual cover, I think it makes sense. I think it is you know, two Christian singers recasting, or not even recasting, Justin Bieber's a Christian. He might have written this from a Christian perspective. But I think it's them singing about Jesus together, and that's what the song is. And I quite like it, actually. Yeah, it's... I think it's a bit... It's a step too far to me for me. But it's... it's <laughs> that's we've, talked, we've talked before about how, like, a lot of modern metal bands are uh, kind of create covers of super big pop songs as a way to kind of you know drive up the streaming numbers get their band some more attention and all that which i have absolutely no issue with to be honest i think in an era where bands aren't selling records you got to do what you got to do to get some eyes and ears on your bands but it reminded me of that in this moment album the, their recent one where um yeah. I, can't rem- I can't remember what the co- let me just look this is up is it the billy really idol song on that one because actually in this moment had two albums in a row where like the, f- the third song in was a cover yeah, um, it might have been the yeah they had a song called Black Wedding, didn't they? Um, yeah, it was basically a Billy Idol cover, and the record before that had something else as well. Do you remember what that one was? Actually, no. I'll tell you what the one we're thinking of, Mother from Last Year. Uh, six songs, six tracks into that, it's got a version of We Will Rock You, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's just such a weird thing because okay, We Will Rock You is obviously going to be more recognisable to rock fans than maybe a Beaver song, but. It's just a really interesting thing a lot of bands are doing where they're just dropping these covers that, to me, are so distracting 
that yeah, they kind of just ins- insist upon themselves. Like they don't really add to the flow of the album because you can't move for the fact that it's a Justin Bieber cover or it's a Queen cover. It's just, it's a really interesting thing bands are doing. And to me, it kind of, it breaks up the flow of the album a bit. And it just kind of, I don't know, it just stops you in your tracks because you're not really paying attention to the flow of an album anymore. You're just sitting there going, oh, they've done this cover. That's weird. It doesn't make any sense to me. So there must be some other reason that we don't know about. It must be some kind of like weird marketing thing or something because I just don't get why you wouldn't, if you're going to do it, why you just wouldn't put it at the end. I just don't understand. Maybe it's a clever way to, uh, if people find the track somehow, so if you're like a Bieber fan and you're just searching for it and you find that, maybe it's a clever way to make sure that it then goes into the rest of the album or something if you happen to be listening to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. chronologically which not chronologically incorrect order which obviously a lot of people don't on streaming now but fuck knows it's a strange new world out there but um i really yeah, like the single actually on this we've not spoken about that which one was the, the single it's down isn't it is it just called down that was the big single yeah just down it's the third track um just before the cover let me love you and it's just a really big song and it's just the kind of song that if you love new metal you'll just really enjoy you just want to play over and over again it's the total like new metal crossed with radio banger i think it sort of summarizes everything in the record in the best way it's it's good i like it yeah it's a solid track and I, you know i don't i don't i don't know if this is an album that i'm going to be playing a shit ton from here but i was kind of prepared to just completely disregard this album and there, there is a lot of it on the on here that's quite good and it's kind of like it feels just about valid enough to be its own thing it doesn't just feel like corn light it feels like a it's legit own little creation um so there you go fair play to heads um the love and death album called perfectly preserved is out right now you can listen to it right this second on whatever platform you choose uh, and also out right this very second is a brand new studio album from the pretty reckless taylor momson's Hard rockers who have been around for over a decade now, believe it or not. They are veterans of the scene. Uh, And uh, this is another album that's got some particularly interesting talking points on it because it's got um, some kind of 90s metal legends scattered across it in a couple of cameos. Uh, The album's called Death by Rock and Roll. What do you make of this one, Al? Is there anything to say about Pretty Reckless that hasn't probably been said by this point? Yeah, I think... On this album, it, sound, it sounds like a more kind of grown-up album. She started the band when she was 14, and in the beginning it did just sound like she was kind of doing rock and roll karaoke and the lyrics just seemed a bit cliched. You know, it was kind of like it was good, but um, it didn't really seem out of the ordinary. But this one, I think, has a lot of personality and a lot of atmosphere, and it was born out of some tragedy, unfortunately, the band were on tour with Soundgarden when Chris Cornell passed away and then their longtime producer um, Katie Kandwala passed away as well in a motorcycle accident. So Taylor's spoken out recently about how difficult it was to make this record because she was dealing with a lot of loss and a lot of grief and didn't really know where she was going um, and really struggled to see the point in her life essentially and had to kind of go through all of that and process all of it and then come back with this new record. And there are some really kind of uh, nice moments on here that are like nods to both of those people that she lost. And there's a real mixtures of sounds on here as well. There's some kind of rock and roll proper, like all out kind of 
big songs and then there are also some kind of more ballady bits and sort of country kind of bits as well it's roughly half and half it's roughly kind of half rock and roll and the second half is kind of slower but there is a couple of tracks still scattered in there that kind of are a bit more up tempo so it's not completely evenly split but it does show a range of what she can do and what her band can do um the cameos they've got tom morello on one of the tracks called and so it went and you can really tell when tom morello comes in and does a solo it's like a full morello solo that kind of like i don't know how to describe it like a squeaky kind of sound on the guitar that he does and on the song only love can save me now she's got two members of soundgarden which is really cool um obviously they're a big influence in her one of her favorite bands and um she's played with them as well at the tribute gig to chris cornell she sang on several of their songs so they clearly got a relationship going and i don't know if you're going to mention this already mel but it's really interesting as well they recorded it at London Bridge Studios in Seattle, which is where Pearl Jam made 10, Alice in Chains made Dirt, Soundgarden made Louder Than Love. So this is all kind of like really legit cool stuff. You know, she's clearly has all these heroes and she's set out to have these people on record and record at the studio. Um, but even with all these guest appearances, it is very personal. You can hear through the lyrics that all the songs mean a lot to her. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a weird one because any time a an actor or actress kind of jumps into a band, I guess there comes a point where you have to kind of stop kind of doing like the whole, you know, well, they're really into this and this definitely doesn't seem like a side project thing. Like, I mean, I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what kind of like roles Taylor Momsen has done as an actor in recent years. Cause anytime I ever hear anything about it, it's all about the pretty reckless. Totally. Um, I'm aware that's probably my ignorance by the way, rather than, you know, the state of her acting no, I, think she has, <laughs> I, mean, I think she has kind of largely just been focusing on music as a career I don't think she really does any acting now although yeah again I could be wrong <laughs> could be she's probably in some major critically acclaimed film we haven't watched because we're philistines uh but yeah it's a, it you know there's, there's, a, there's a lot of cool stuff in this album I mean rock and roll done like this that kind of like slightly glammy and, and uh, yeah I know like I said there's a lot of kind of more country and acoustic vibes on here too but that that kind of like f- standard stomping kind of glammed up strain of rock and roll i feel like there are increasingly few if that's a phrase i can use uh, increasingly few bands that kind of can do that at a level that feels fresh and vibrant and interesting i feel like hailstorm's one of those for instance um and there's not a whole lot of others off the top of my head and i feel like this is one of those albums where if you're already inclined to like what the Pretty Reckless do, or you're already inclined to like this kind of rock and roll in 2021, this is it done to a very high and competent and legit standard. Um, it just doesn't grab me incredibly on a musical level. I do, you know, I do appreciate, like I said, that there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a real emotional um, depth to this album because of what uh, Taylor's been through, but. Um, musically, it's kind of just not grabbed me amazingly. I did like the the track with Matt and Kim from Soundgarden on. Um, mm. Only Love Can Save Me Now. I think you can really hear that influence in there and it comes through. But it did just kind of make me go, oh, Soundgarden are good. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I thought this album was all right. Um, again, so, lyrically, some of it's a bit 
you know, there's a track called 25, which is, it goes down that kind of like one, two, buckle my shoe kind of lyricism, um, which is, funnily enough, it's something I've said about Hailstorm before as well. Like, I think this kind of rock and roll just lends itself to that. Just, you're just spitting out the most kind of standard, catchy, earwormy lyrics you can. Um, and again, I appreciate that there's a lot more depth to this album than that maybe would suggest. But I don't know. I kind of feel like this is just, it's just a solid rock and roll album. If you like that kind of thing, you're going to love this. And fair play to the Pretty Reckless. <laughs> I think I think there's worth saying as well, like um, Taylor Momsen's essentially doing what Miley Cyrus is trying to do right now because they both auditioned for Hannah Montana and obviously Miley Cyrus got that role. But they're sort of from the same era. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're sort of from the same era and um, Miley Cyrus has been doing all of her rock and roll stuff recently, hasn't she? Like teaming up with kind of old rock legends. She did that Super Bowl pre-game thing the other day with Billy Idol and I can't Joe remember Yeah. Um, and she's really kind of going down that rock and roll ro- road and aligning herself with it. And here's Taylor Momsen, who's been doing it for almost half her life now. She's 27. She started when she was 14. So, um you know, she's been pushing away at this thing she loves for years and years and years, so I think you kind of have to give her some credit for that. But yeah, I like a lot of the upbeat rock and roll songs in here. I think they're fun. Uh, not too keen on the ballads, but I'm not really a ballads person, I'll be honest. I'm still reeling from the fact that Taylor Momsen could have been Miley Cyrus, and then Miley Cyrus could have been... Oh, sorry, Taylor Momsen could have been Hannah Montana, and then Miley Cyrus could have been fronting the Pretty Reckless in some weird alternative universe. <laughs> yeah. She's not acting, by the way. I just checked on IMDb. She stopped after Gossip Girl, so this really has been her focus. Well, that, I mean, maybe that says a lot about our prejudices as rock fans that we're still even talking about her, because really what she is is someone that used to be an actress and is now a musician, yeah. but we still talk about her like she's kind of like a tourist in this thing. I think it was because it was so mainstream. Like, Gossip Girl was massive, and she was everywhere. And there's always that kind of thing of, like girls of that age who become famous being everywhere like Miley types and Vanessa Hudgens and I can't even remember all the other ones sort of the Disney well, ones do, it, do a contemporary one Elle. we can do it <laughs> but you know like you kind of they're everywhere and you can't move for seeing them and they're in all different kinds of media and then once you do something like Taylor has and you go and make a rock and roll band then you put yourself in a niche so in your brain it's you know in people's brains if you say Taylor Momsen they might automatically go to when she was most kind of in the news as it were like mm-hmm. in the media it's not quite the same as um what's his faith in 24 doing his little country music thing or whatever it is he does what is it Keith Sutherland does we tried yeah. to get him down golden gods once I can't remember what it is now. The he's best got thing a was, band the best thing was when Carl Kennedy from Neighbours did um his solo work and he toured around when I was at university, he toured around to the walkabouts and like. He played mine as well. He played my uni. I think he DJ'd. <laughs> I couldn't get a ticket. I was good. <laughs> How patronising is that? That we just compared a, a, a really successful rock star who had an entirely different and equally successful successful career to fucking Dr. Carl Kennedy of Neighbours. <laughs> I don't. I wasn't making comparisons. To be clear, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Oh dear. But yeah, uh, no, the pre, this pretty reckless album is... the right prescription? <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, look, we got the Love and Death album that's out. That's out today. We got the Pretty Records album that's out today. They're two really competent, well-crafted albums. Um, like if you're kind of into either of those particular vibes, I definitely think you should check them out because I think they will be for you. Um, and you know, I didn't mention Taylor's voice and all that. I mentioned uh, Head's voice. Taylor's voice sounds amazing on this. Really, yeah, really she's strong. a she's an awesome singer. So yeah, yeah, definitely good shit. Um, hooray for them and hooray for us, <laughs> Elle, for completing another Metal Hammer podcast. Uh, we're not doing questions this week. We're going to bring those back in a couple of weeks, I think. Um, so in the meantime, uh, please do go and pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer, our Lexi Leho tribute. And uh, there's also the uh, exclusive Epica Bundle as well, which you can only get from tinyurl.com slash Epica Bundle. Once they're gone, they're gone. They might be running out as we speak. You might be too late. You might have fucked it. I don't know. But you might still have time to jump on and get one. So uh, if you're an Epica fan, don't miss out on those. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, we'll see you then, guys. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.